Wasn't that a great meal we just had a while ago? If you didn't get full over there, it was your own fault. I had a little flashback. I grew up in Winchester, Kentucky. I was born here, graduated from Winchester High School. The next year, they became George Rogers Clark. When I was in high school, my uncle and his family owned chicken farms just out Highway 15 here. Lots, thousands of them. And he would ask me to get a number of the young guys at school to go out and help them catch these chickens when they were ready to send off to the, to the chicken place before you got them at Kentucky Fried or wherever you got them from. This one particular night, my uncle had taken, he had a 56 Pontiac Bonneville, which is a heavy car. And there must have been 13, 14 of us, counting him, in that car. We went out, we caught the chickens. You'd take four chickens in this hand, four chickens in this hand, give them to the guy on the truck, and then another guy would give them, and you'd have 16 to a coop. But by the time we started back, my uncle had got to drinking. So when we started back, it was dark. He'd been drinking. And behind the church here on Route 15, by REA plant there, there is a major S-curve. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I don't think they straightened it out yet. It is a powerful S-curve. We took that curve with him drinking at 90 miles an hour. That car went, we got around this way, this way. And the guys in the car, go for 100, go for 100. I could almost break out in a cold sweat just remembering that. If we would have wrecked that night, there would have probably been every one of us had been killed. I'm convinced the only thing that kept that car on the road was the fact that there were 13 to 14 of us in that Bonneville. But really, the Lord kept us on the road. It was a scary time. I'm glad that I didn't die in that night. Because it was later while serving in the United States Navy that I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And he changed my life. Now, like with the Belcher, I married a Michigan gal. I'm from Kentucky. She's from Michigan. Uh, I'm from the South. She's from the North. I like sweet tea. She likes unsweet tea. Uh, we met in South Carolina. We live in Florida. We are confused. <laughs> but one thing that we do have in common, we got married on the same day. And if you go back one week, August 1st, one week ago, Miss Judy and I celebrated 58 years of marriage. It's not a record, but these days, it's not bad. <laughs> it's certainly above average. And she probably ought to get a special reward in heaven for living with me for 58 years. You know, to live with a Kentucky boy for that long and then to live with a Kentucky boy who's a preacher, uh, that puts another notch on it. But uh, Miss Judy... Uh, when she married me, her maiden name was Little. My name is Strange. She married me, became a little strange. <laughs> and uh, we now have four children, ten grandchildren, and six great-grandchildren. And uh, the Lord certainly has been good to us. And it is just a blessing to be with Pastor Muncie and all of you folks here at Landmark Baptist Church and what you're doing. You actually look like you're having a missions conference. I have been in missions conferences where you wouldn't have known if they hadn't told you. They had no decorations. They didn't do any dinners. They didn't do any planning. They hardly had missionaries. And uh, you just look like you might be. This is not a United Nations building. This is a church trying to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, while I'm just chatting for a little bit, you can turn your Bible to the gospel of Mark chapter 14. A man walked into a church and he said, uh, 
to the secretary, uh, excuse me, but uh, is the head hog of the trough in? She said, excuse me, what'd you say? He said, is the head hog of the trough in? And after she was pretty sure what he said, she said, You're, sir, if I'm understanding you, uh, that's not showing respect to the man of God here. If you were to call him pastor or preacher, uh, that would be more appropriate. He said, no, I see. He started to walk away. He said, you know, I came in here and I have $10,000 that I want to give to the missions conference. She said, excuse me, I think the big pig is coming in the back door right now. <laughs> it really is all a matter of perspective. This guy was up preaching and he said, now folks, this church is like the lame man has got to get up and walk. And the people said, amen, preacher, let her walk. He said, like Elijah on the mountaintop, this church have got to run. They said, amen, preacher, let her run. He said, this church has got to mount up like eggs, wings of eagles and let her fly. They said, amen, preacher, let her fly. He said, now folks, if we're going to fly, it's going to cost some money. They said, amen, preacher, let her walk. <laughs> you know, I'm glad that years ago, Miss Judy and I got introduced to Faith Promise Missions. I pastored over in Lexington, Kentucky for about 15 years, about 35 years in Fort Myers, Florida. And uh, we were involved in Faith Promise Missions then, involved in Faith Promise Missions now. And we used to try every year to stretch, to expand our giving. And uh, most of the times it was just uh, $5 a time different. But, you know, you multiply five times about 30 uh, with whatever we started with. And I'm convinced that one of the reasons that Judy and I are debt-free today, and what a blessing that is, is because that we, we gave to Faith Promise Missions Giving. We tithed. You know, you, you pay your tithe. You don't give your tithe. You pay your tithe, and then you give an offering. And then maybe you get involved in what 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 talks about, grace giving. And uh, we call it Faith Promise Giving. And it is amazing the amount of money that churches can raise if people just start to give. Somebody over here gives something, somebody here gives something, gives something, gives something. You put all that together. You've heard the song, Little as Much, When God is in it. And uh, now don't take the idea, well, I'm just going to give the widows two mites. Now, if you give the widows two mites, you're going to give a whole lot more than you think. The widows two mites was everything. You know, she gave everything. Other people gave and had a lot left over. When she gave, she didn't have anything left over. And, uh, but when you give, it is amazing. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Our church in Fort Myers, Florida supports around 215 missionaries. Now the fellows up here and the ladies from the Philippines, we support more missionaries in the Philippines than any other place. I've had the privilege of going to the Philippines I love Filipino people. I fell in love with them the first time I went there back in 1981. They are giving people, serving people. They're singing people. A friend of mine said he was over in the Philippines and he was in a hotel and he heard Dolly Parton down the hallway singing, belting out some songs. So he just walked down to look and it wasn't Dolly Parton at all. It was a Filipino gal who sounded, looks just like Dolly Parton. But they are, they are singers and they're good people and gracious people. 
And uh, if you and I can be involved in people's lives. There was a little, a little Bible college that uh, people signed up for the New Testament survey course because they never had any pop quizzes. They didn't have any tests along the way. They only had one test at the end of the semester. And for 25 years, it had never changed. It was the same test. And so people would sign up because the test was discuss the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Well, Meathead, now that tells you something about that guy already. You get a name like Meathead. He was the star football player. And he signed up and they gave him a tutor to help him. And so he started learning about Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, first missionary journeys, second missionary journey, this town, that town, those things that happened in the missionary journeys. And so he was learning about the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. Well, the end of the semester came and they went in to take their test. And the test was laying face down on the desk. And the professor said, now, when I tell you, you turn the paper over, put your name in the upper right hand corner. When you're finished, turn the paper in, you can leave. You may begin. Well, when they turned that paper over, there was this large <gasps> gasp. For the first time in 25 years, they changed the test. It was not discuss the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. It was critique the Sermon on the Mount preached by Jesus. Well, those young people didn't know anything about that. And they knew they were going to get a zero, an F, and they turned their paper in, knowing they were going to get an F, except for Meathead. Meathead put his name on the paper, and he started writing. After one hour, he finally turned his paper in. There was a stack of papers. All of them had Fs. And Meathead, when he turned his paper in, he got an A+. And someone said, Meathead, what did you say? He said, I just put down, who am I to critique a sermon preached by Jesus Christ? Instead, let me just tell you about the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> I think we ought to take that title, Meathead, off of that guy, don't you? Have you found Mark 14 already? Isn't it good to be in missions conference? Amen. Brother Muncy, God bless you for leading your church like you're leading them and being involved in faith promise missions and all that you do. One of the things about having nationals here, I learned this when we had them at our church, they would get up and say, ladies and gentlemen, we are a product of your mission dollar. You have given to missions. Those missionaries have come to our country and we have been saved and led to the Lord by an American missionary. Now, not all of them. Some of the, the Philippines is a hot spot for the gospel right now. A lot of Filipinos are starting churches themselves. And God has blessed them. But back before that happened, they were just grateful and thankful that missionaries would come to their country and that they'd preach and they'd get saved and change your life. What a blessing it is. If the gospel made a difference in your life, and it did, it made a difference in my life, and it did, you know it made a difference in their lives as well. People are people. I had a lady from West Virginia gave me a saying one time, and I've quoted this lady more than I've quoted about anybody else outside the Bible. And here's what she said, Pastor, they're just acting like people. I said, Carly, that's brilliant. How many of you know people who act like people? <laughs> How many of you are some of those people yourself? <laughs> of course we are. People are people. Now, in the, the book of Mark, chapter 14, this story is found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, and John's Gospel, chapter 12. I probably should read both accounts because you will see something in John 12, though it's the same account. 
John puts something in it that Mark doesn't. So let's begin reading what the Bible says in Mark 14 and verse 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment and of spikenard, very precious. And she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and had been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? For she hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always. And whensoever ye will, ye may do them good. But me ye have not always. She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the burying. Verily I say unto you. Now watch this. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world. Sound like a mission thought to me. How about you? Does not Jesus tell us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? This lady evidently knew something that Peter, James, and John missed out on for a while. Wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. Now the gospel of John chapter 12 says that Lazarus was there in that meeting. He got raised from the dead in chapter 11. That chapter tells us that it was the man who spoke this. Why was this waste? It was Judas Iscariot. The first recorded words of Judas in the Bible that he asked, why was this waste of the ointment made? And then we learn that people came not only to see Jesus, but to see Lazarus also because he had been raised from the dead. Those people could not deny the miracle. They had the man right there. He had been raised from the dead. And so rather than believe the evidence, they thought they would destroy Lazarus. It's like when they built the Ark and Creation Museum here in our great state of Kentucky. The leading evolutionist from the University of Cincinnati was invited by Ken Ham to come. That man, that evolutionist, opposed the Creation Museum and uh, put it in the paper and so forth. But they were able to build the Creation Museum and to build the Ark. And when he got it finished with the Creation Museum, Dr. Ken Ham invited that leading evolutionist to come and he gave him a personal tour. And here's what the leading evolutionist said when he got through with the tour. You have answered all my questions. But I still don't believe it. You know what that's called? That's called willful ignorance. He had his questions answered. But you see, this is not a problem of the head. It's a problem of the heart. And so here is people trying to get rid of the evidence rather than to believe it. May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And may I give you three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And would you pray with me and for me, please? Our Father, in Jesus' name, would you speak to our hearts on this Monday night of missions conference at Landmark Baptist Church. Thank you for each missionary that is here, each missionary candidate to go to the field somewhere. May you help them get their support up. And I pray that you'd thrust them out into the field of harvest. And then, Lord, for people like these here at Landmark Baptist Church, 
would you stir their hearts up to help those go by praying for them and by helping them along the way, by supporting them? May your will be done in every heart, in every life, in Jesus' name. Amen. It's waste. That's what Judas said. But he was a thief because he kept the bag. What would you think about a young man, say from Winchester, Kentucky, and he is a very good basketball player. He led the state in scoring. He might have been Mr. K- Mr. Basketball in the state of Kentucky. And he was offered a full-ride scholarship at the University of Kentucky to go play basketball. But instead, he said, no, I don't think I'm going to go to the University of Kentucky and play basketball. God's been stirring in my heart to be a, a missionary pilot. And I think I'm going to find me a Christian school somewhere that offers missionary aviation so I can prepare to be a missionary pilot. Is that a waste of talent? What would you think about a young couple that decided that they want to give their life to go to the mission field? And someone said, look at you. You've just been married a while. You've got a small family and uh, you've got the world by the tail. You're gifted. You're talented. And why would you give all that up? Where are you going to go? You're going to go somewhere in Africa or pick a place. What a waste. Is that a waste? Someone who would give up the comforts of America to go be a missionary. What about a young lady? Uh, The young ladies who sang tonight. What about a young lady who could sing very gifted? And Nashville heard about her. And they wanted to talk to her. And they wanted to talk to her about a contract. But she said, no, I don't think I want to sing songs that Glorify the world. I want to sing songs that honor the Lord. And so she turned it down. Is that a waste? What about a family who made some money? They sold a piece of property and made a nice chunk of change. And someone said, well, you're going to invest it and make some money on the interest, aren't you? They said, no. No, what we want to do is we want to send this money to the mission field somewhere and build a hospital to help save lives of people in that particular area. Think what a waste. Is that a waste? A young man with talent, a young lady who could sing, a young couple that want to give their lives to be missionaries or send some money to be used of the Lord to build a hospital somewhere. Is that a waste? Some people, they know the price of everything, the value of nothing. Here's a lady who's gone into a house. It was Simon the leper's house. Now, he's no longer a leper. Obviously, somewhere along the line, he has met Jesus. Jesus healed a number of lepers. And uh, this man, if he were a leper, he could not invite people over to his house. He couldn't be in public. He'd have to cover his lip and say, unclean, unclean. And uh, so, obviously, he has been restored to health and home and worship And so he obviously had some money, he had a good-sized house, and he invites a lot of people over to his place because he's no longer defiled since Jesus came into his life. And then if you add the John 12 passage, Lazarus is there. He was the guy that was dead. He'd been dead four days. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was bound hand and foot came forth, and he said, loose him and let him go. He's there. And then there are, he's no longer dead, by the way. And then there are the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are men in training. These are preachers to be, missionaries to be, 
These are men of God who are going to blaze a trail for the gospel. But now they're in training, spending time with the Lord. He called and ordained some to be with him. And these men were with him. And he sent them out on trial runs. And then one day he will send them into all the world to tell the whole world, every creature. I like that thought, don't you? Every creature. Have you ever thought about how many people does God want saved? Let me rephrase that. How many people does God want to be perished? Well, let me tell you a Bible answer for both of those questions. The Bible says that God will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He's the Savior of all men, 1 Timothy chapter 4, especially to them that believe. Now, you have to believe it, but he wants you to be saved. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, God is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us. We're not willing, not willing, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God wants people saved more than we want people saved. He is not willing. And so these are men that were going to go preach the gospel to every creature. And then there's Mary and Martha. They're there. They're in this meeting. Mary is uh, typically the lady who was always at the feet of Jesus. When you read about her in the gospel, she's always at the feet of Jesus. Martha, her sister, she had a little trouble sometimes getting a little huffy because she thought that Mary would leave her in the kitchen working and she'd go in, have a seat at the feet of Jesus. And, uh, but something happened. After the resurrection of Lazarus, now Mary and Martha are there and she is not worried about serving anymore. That time in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, when she's serving, it was just basically to a handful of people. Now there's a whole lot of people and Martha is serving and she is not griping or complaining. Don't you care that she's left me to serve alone? Bid her to come and help me. You know, you take these three people, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're siblings. And uh, one of those is there to serve. One of those is there to worship. One of those is there for fellowship. You know, that little triumphant of uh, little trilogy of things in a church, uh, you need to have fellowship. You need to have people who worship and you need to have people who serve. You don't have to make a choice. You could do all of those together. Uh, sort of like that spirit that is in here tonight that we want to honor and glorify the Lord. And in every one of these people's lives, Jesus Christ made the difference. Myra Brooks Welch, she told a story about an auctioneer who was going to hold up a violin. And uh, he didn't really want to. And obviously he was correct because while he was calling, going for once, going one dollar once, one dollar twice, going for three. And before he could say sold, a gray haired man got up out of the audience, came forward. He picked up that violin, wiped the dust off of it, picked up the bow, and he tightened the bow, and he began to play a melody as sweet as an angel sings. And when he finished, the people cheered. Some of them cried. We don't understand what changed its worth. The man replied, the touch of the master's hand. And many a life with Life out of tune and battered and torn with sin is auctioned cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. A mess of pottage, a game, and he travels on. He's going once, he's going twice. He's almost gone, but the master comes. 
And the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that's wrought by the touch of the master's hand. Oh, he touched me. Yes, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me. You remember when he touched you? For me, it was May the 7th, 1962, and he changed my life. I tell people, I've never been sorry that I've been a Christian. I've been a sorry Christian a lot. But I never was sorry that I was a Christian. And so all these people were gathered there. While they're there, Mary slips out of the room. And she's gone just for a brief moment. And when she comes back, she has something in her hand. And she does something. She breaks this box that she has, has in her hand. Now, before you know anything about what she's doing, you would smell it. All of a sudden, there was this beautiful, aromatic smell that filled that area. She had a box of spikenard that was very costly. This would be something that you could give to a king. This would be something that a lady might spend a lot of time on, maybe a whole year's salary just to buy like this one bottle of perfume. She wants her wedding day to be special because she's marrying her Prince Charming. And this lady takes this substance and she wipes this onto the Lord. Now, both accounts tells us she did it to his head and she did it to her feet, his feet. And with her hair, now the Bible says a woman's hair is her glory. With her hair, she's drying his feet. And Judas Iscariot, he said, why was this waste of the ointment made? It might have been sold for 300 pence. That was a good bit of money. It wasn't his 300 pence. It wasn't his spikenard. He's all been out of shape of what somebody else is doing. Maybe because what somebody else was doing was putting him to shame for what he's doing. He's not putting anything in. He's taking it out, putting it in his pocket. And he said, why was this waste? I'm sure that some of our missionary friends here tonight have had somebody to say, why are you wasting your life? You know, there are some people when they find out you actually go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and you're having a missions conference. You're going to go out there on Monday night and Tuesday night as well. Why are you wasting your time? No, the truth is, why are they wasting their time? I read a story one time. I've been in Deadwood, South Dakota, and there's a, a museum there. And there's a piece of paper. It was all crumpled up and it was in a skeleton hand. It was an old prospector. And here's what he had written down. I lost my gun. I lost my horse. I'm out of food. The Indians are after me. But I have all the gold I can carry. Anybody like to trade places with that guy? Yet all over, maybe Winchester, Kentucky, America, the country where you come from or represent or going to, they would say, you know, I, I've lost my reputation. I lost my family. I lost my health. But I got a lot of money. 
You know, what is money if you don't have anything else? Why this waste? Was Judas scared a happy man? He wasn't a happy man. He was a thief. You know, when you're a thief, you always got to be looking over your shoulder to see who's going to catch you. And he said, this is such a waste. I'm sure there's missionaries, missionary couples here that you've had somebody say, why are you wasting your life? Why are you going to go wherever and serve the country, that country? And, you know, there's there's people when you have a missions conference. There's four kinds of people. You have those who have sympathy. Oh, Brother Muncie, you're going to have a missionary conference. That's nice. God bless you. I hope everything goes well. And then there will be the second crowd of people. These are the people who have apathy. Who cares? So you're having a missions conference. I'm busy. I got my own thing going. And then there would be the antipathy crowd. These are the people who say, look, I am not for us taking our money and sending it to another country. We got people in our country who need help. Why don't you help them? Why send it somewhere else? And then you have people who have empathy. Empathy are those that say, Pastor Muncie, it's missions time again. And I plan to be there every night. Is there anything I can do? I want to sign up. I want to be there every night. I want to be involved. I want to pray. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they'll enter into the thing. You know, if everybody had the empathy feeling and would enter into it, you put something into it, you'll get something out of it. One day we were in a little project at Winkle Road Baptist Church. It was a Sunday afternoon. I was over in the auditorium. And my granddaughter, she's a sweet young lady. She has made us a great grandpa again and grandma. And she said, Grandpa, did you see the letter I left on your desk? And I said, no, Audrey, I didn't, but I'll see it. She said, I left you something there. So in just a little bit, I was over in the office. And there was a letter. And I picked it up. And it said, from Audrey to Grandpa, this is for the building fund. And there was a penny taped to the letter. And it said, P.S. There's a whole lot more where that came from. I said, this is great. I got up and told the church. I said, folks, I want to read you what my granddaughter said. This is for the building fund. And it was a penny taped to that letter. And she said, P.S., there's a whole lot more where that came from. Well, I'm telling you, kids in that church started running, brought his piggy bank in, and somebody brought this in, and they'd say, there's a whole lot more where that came from. That penny raised thousands of dollars. Now, don't you be the one who say, I'm going to give that penny. <laughs> Unless you can believe there's a whole lot more where that came from. Isn't it amazing? And so this lady comes in, she breaks that box and she, she's anointed his body. And this guy says, why the waste? Now, Jesus evaluated what she did. He said, let her alone. She hath wrought a good work on me. Now, Judas called it a waste. Jesus said it's a good work. Now, who are you going to believe? Judas or Jesus? Let's stick with Jesus. It's a good work. When you do what you do, when you give what you can give, when you help where you can help, it's not a waste. It's a good thing. 
And then Jesus, not only he evaluated it, he explained it. She has come aforehand to anoint my body for the burial. Now, Peter, James, and John heard Jesus say, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to raise again from the third day. They should have been the ones who was anointing his body for the burial. Why didn't they get it? Why didn't they catch it? Well, Mary, I told you a while ago, she was the one that was always at Jesus' feet. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, when Martha was in the kitchen serving and getting all angry, huffed up and puffed up, and she said, Master, don't you, don't you care that I suffer alone? Uh, make her come and help me. And Jesus said, let her alone. Martha, Martha, you're troubled about many things. But Mary hath chosen that good part. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to everything he said. She was worshiping him. And she heard him say those things, and she believed it. Do you know that Landmark Baptist Church, you people, when Pastor Muncie preaches, his preaching will produce one of two kinds of people. When he preaches the Bible, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. He that heareth my sayings and doeth them is like a wise man that built his house upon a rock. Secondly, he said, he that heareth my sayings and doeth not them is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. You can sit here and you hear what pastor preaches and you say, I believe it, I'm going to do it. You're wise. Or if you say, well, I've heard what he had to say. I don't believe that. That's being foolish. That's building your life on sand. So here is. Here's Jesus saying about Mary, she hath done what she could. Now, who in this town or in this church tonight would say, I've done what I could. It's like praying. Most all of us say, I believe in praying. And then we would all say, but I'm not the model for that, that doctrine. I do it, but I'm not. The, you, you don't want to gauge your life on me doing that. Well, here is Jesus saying, she hath done what she could if you did what you could what could you do you know David did what he could and slew a giant a little boy gave his five loaves and two fishes that's what he could and it fed 5,000 people not counting the women and children done what she could and then Jesus took it one step further he elevated what this woman did and he said, now, wherever the gospel is preached around the world. So you young missionaries, when you go where you go, you tell the story. Jesus told you to tell the story. Wherever the gospel is preached around the world, let what this woman has done be for a memorial for her. Who would have thought that this one act of devotion would result in the whole world learning about Mary. Now, of course, we want to learn about Jesus, and Jesus is the Savior. But Jesus is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. And he said, I want you to, wherever the gospel is preached, just to tell this story. So here we are on August the 8th, 2022, standing true in 2022, telling the story that Jesus said about this lady 
who really had, whether she knew all of the implications of it or not, she had a missionary heart and missionary hands. And she wanted to do something for Jesus that would prepare his body for the burial. Now, thank the Lord he did not stay dead. And he was raised from the dead. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is missions conference. Pastor said a while ago, if you didn't take a missions card, that you would take one. And you ought to sign up for some amount. Now, the way I always did faith promise, you know, sometimes people say, God, if you'll give me a million dollars, I'll give you, I'll give half of it to missions. But if you don't have a million dollars, that prayer is not really for you. You ask the Lord what part he would have you give. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians you give out of that which you have. And then when you give out of that which you have, God will give you more. And it is amazing. There are people probably in this room could stand up and tell when they started Faith Promise. I don't know how it's going to work. But you would say it did work. And God met that need. Maybe God gave you a raise. Maybe God sent you a overdue insurance. You overpaid the insurance or something. He sent some money back. Who knows? But the Bible says you give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over shall men give into your bosom. God is a, a great giver. And if we're going to be like him, we ought to be a giver. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. I've been on both ends of that. And Jesus is more blessed to give. So this is Mission Conference. Are you going to ask the Lord what he would have you to give for a missions conference? I hope the Lord lets you stretch just a little bit. It's not that we're trying to get you emotionally involved and where you want to give away the farm, but you want to stretch, stretch your faith a little bit and see what God does. When you collectively put all that together and just see what happens at Landmark Baptist Church in Standing true in 2022. Dear Father, in Jesus' name, would you bless the night, the singing that we've heard, the reading and attempt at preaching the scriptures. Would you help us and bless us? And I pray you bless the missions conference here. I pray you lead Brother Muncie as he's leading these dear people that when they take their final count, it will be more this year than it's ever been. And they'll be able to take on some of these young people to send them out to the mission field. Thank you for every missionary they send out already. And may your will be done in all that. And may you meet every need and bless this effort of a missions conference. In Christ's name, amen.